Jaya Radha Madhava Tunja Bihari Jaya Radha Madhava Tunja Bihari Jaya Gopijana Vallabha Kirivaradhari Jaya Gopi Jana Balaba Giri Varadari Yashoda Nandana Braja Jana Ranjana Yashoda Nandana Braja Jana Ranjana Yamuna Vanachari Yamuna Tira Vanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Gunja Bihari Jaya Radha Madhava Gunja Bihari Hey, Hare Krishna. Uh, we are here in order to worship Sri Mad Bhagavatam. We'll, we will do this today. Um, today's text is Canto 1, Chapter 9, Text 49. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaiva Narotamam Devam Sarasvatim Vyasam Tatojaya Madhirye Before reciting the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the very means of conquest, one should offer respectful obeisances unto the personality of Godhead, Narayan, unto Narayan Rishi, the supermost human being, unto Mother Sarasvati, the goddess of learning, and unto Srila Ryasadev, the author. Shema Bhagavatam 24. Punya Shravana Kirtana, Hirdinanta Sohi Abhadrani, Vinhunati Sihirtsatam. Shri Krishna, the personality of Godhead, who is the Paramahama's supersoul in everyone's heart and the benefactor of the truthful devotee, cleanses desire for material enjoyment from the heart of, heart of the devotee who has developed the urge to hear his messages, which are in themselves virtuous when properly heard and chanted. Naishtha prayashu abhadrashu nityam bhagavata sevaya bhagavati uttamashloke bhaktir bhavati naishtaki by regular attendance and classes on the Bhagavatam and by rendering service to the pure devotee, all that is troublesome to the heart is almost completely destroyed. And loving service unto the personality of Godhead, who is praised with transcendental songs, is established as an irrevocable fact. <clears throat> Alright, so I will I will try to uh, say this. And of course, I welcome corrections so that I may learn how to do this better. Um, Pitra Chan Chanmu Mato Raja Vasudevanu Modita 
Dakara Rajam Dharmena Pitir Paita Maham Vibha Pitir Chanmato Raja Vasudevanam Modita Chakara Rajam Dharmena Pitir Pait Mahab Vibha Pitir Chan Mato Raja Vasudev Nan Munodita Chakara Rajam Dharmana Pitir Paita Maham Vibha Can anyone else say that? Okay, so the word for word. Pitra by his uncle, Dirt Rastra. Cha and Anumata with his approval. Raja King Yudhisthir. Vasudev Anumodita confirmed by Lord Sri Krishna. Chakara executed. Rajam the kingdom. Dharmana in compliance with the codes of royal principles. Pitir father. Atar Maham, forefather, Vibha, as great as. All right, so here's the translation in purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. After this, the great religious king, Maharaj Yudhisthir, executed the royal power in the kingdom strictly according to the codes and royal principles approved by his uncle and confirmed by Lord Sri Krishna. Purport. Maharaj Yudhisthira was not a mere tax collector. He was always conscious of his duty as a king, which, is, which was no less than that of a father or spiritual master. The king is to see to the welfare of the citizens from all angles of social, political, economic, and spiritual upliftment. The king must know that human life is meant for liberating the encaged soul from the bondage of material conditions, and therefore his duty is to see that the citizens are properly looked after to attain this highest stage of perfection. Maharaj Yudhisthira followed these principles strictly, as will be seen from the next chapter. Not only did he follow the principles, but he also got approval from his old uncle, who was experienced in political affairs, and that was also confirmed by Lord Krishna, the speaker of the philosophy of the Bhagavad Gita. Maharaj Yudhisthira is the ideal monarch, and monarchy under a trained king like Maharaj Yudhisthira is by far the most superior form of government, superior to modern republics or governments of all the people by the people. The mass of people, especially in this age of Kali, are born sudras, basically low-born, ill-trained, unfortunate, and badly associated. They themselves do not know the highest perfectional aim of life. Therefore, votes cast by them actually have no value, and thus persons elected by such irresponsible votes cannot be responsible representatives like Maharaj Yudhisthira. Thus, in the Bhaktivedanta purports of the first canto, ninth chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled The Passing Away of Bhishma Dev in the Presence of Lord Krishna. 
So Bhishma offers Yudhisthira instructions on ruling the kingdom and then meditates on the Lord before leaving his body. Yudhisthira Maharaj accepted Bhishma Dev's instructions. He knew he must rule the kingdom because it was the Lord's desire. He then inquired from Bhishma about the essential principles of rulership. By Bhishma Dev's offering cogent instructions to Yudhisthira while in the most awkward of conditions on his deathbed made of arrows piercing his body, Krishna further glorifies Bhishma, his devotee. In response to Yudhisthira's inquiry, Bhishma first delineated the duties of those in each of the four occupational varnas of the four social ashrams, explaining how those who were materially unattached or detached should be trained. Citing historical references, he described the duties of women, devotees, and kings, as well as various forms of charity. As Dev continued revealing knowledge required for rulership, the sun moved to the northern hemisphere. This was the auspicious time he had chosen for death. One can learn from Dev's example. As one nears death, one should withdraw consciousness from everything but direct thought of Krishna. Bhishma had been discussing subjects in the pursuance of Krishna's desire, yet he withdrew his mind from these worldly topics at the moment of death. The great warrior devotee now fixed his mind and wide-open eyes on Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead, who stood before him four-handed and dressed in glittering yellow garments. Thus Bhishma was immediately relieved from all material inauspiciousness, and, uh, and, and pain of his arrow wounds. His mind focused. He glorified the all-attractive Sri Krishna. Let Krishna, who drove the chariot of his intimate friend Arjuna, whose body resembles the bluish color of the tamal tree, be the object of my attraction. Let me not desire any fruit of results. Bhishma, the chivalrous warrior, centered his consciousness on the feature of the Lord that most attracted him, Sri Parthasarthi, the supreme person driving his devotee's chariot, fighting him, Bhishma, on the battlefield. He envisioned Krishna's form, coated in dust raised by the horse's hooves, his face wet with perspiration, and his transcendental body decorated with wounds caused by Bhishma's own sharp arrows. Commenting on the text 34 in Bhagavad Sandarbha, Anucheta 58, Jiva Goswami states that because the transcendental body of Lord Krishna can never be harmed, this pastime should be understood as a specific illusion arranged by the Lord. Srila Prabhupada supports this commentary in his purports to text 34 and 38. It appears that Dev is repenting the actions he committed against the person of the Lord. But factually, the Lord's body was not at all pained due to his transcendental existence. His body is not matter. Both he himself and his body are complete spiritual identity. Spirit is never pierced, burnt, dried, moistened, etc. This is vividly explained in the Bhagavad Gita. And in his purport to text 38, he writes, Dev played the part of the valiant warrior as he purposely pierced the body of the Lord, so that the common eyes, it appeared that the Lord was wounded. But factually, all this was to bewilder the non-devotees. The all-spiritual body cannot be wounded, 
as a devotee cannot become an enemy of the Lord. Had it been so, Bhishmadev would not have desired to have the same very Lord as the ultimate destination of his life. Had Bhishmadev been an enemy of the Lord, Lord Krishna could have annihilated him without even moving. There was no need to come before Bhishmadev with blood and wounds. But he did so because the warrior devotee wanted to see transcendental beauty of the Lord decorated with wounds created by the pure devotee. This is the way of exchanging transcendental ras, or relations between the Lord and the servitor. By such dealings, both the Lord and the devotee become glorified in their respective positions. The purport to text 34 also includes a paraphrase of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary on how the Lord accepts his devotees' offerings in the spirit of love, even if those offerings are sharp arrows shot in combat. Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, a great acharya and devotee in the humor of conjugal love with the Lord, remarks very saliently in this regard. He says that the wounds created on the body of the Lord by the sharpened arrows of Bhishmadev were as pleasing to the Lord as the biting of a fiancé who bites the Lord's body directed by a strong sense of sex desire. Such biting by the opposite sex is never taken as a sign of enmity, even if there is a wound on the body. Therefore, the fighting is an exchange of transcendental pleasure between the Lord and his pure devotee, Sri Bhishmadev, was not all mundane. The Lord enjoyed the wounds because his great devotee Bhishmadev, and because Bhishmadev is a devotee in a chivalrous relation, he fixes up his mind on Krishna in that wounded condition. Bhishmadev further remembered Krishna's driving Arjuna's chariot on the battlefield, his removal of Arjuna's ignorance by speaking Bhagavad Gita, and his merciful glance that he diminished the lifespan of the opposite party. Bhishma then focused on Krishna's behavior on the battlefield, especially the deed most dear to him, the Lord dismounting the chariot and rushing angrily towards him with a broken chariot wheel raised as a weapon. The word chaladgada, trampling the earth, is used in text 37 to describe Krishna's hurried and angry steps towards Bhishma Dev. Sridhar Swami explains in his commentary that while performing his human-like pastimes, Krishna allowed the weight of the entire universe to rest on his body. Thus the earth trembled as he walked. Srila Jiva Goswami comments that because Krishna was in such a hurry, his steps moved the earth. Srila Prabhupada told of the events leading up to this pastime during a Bhagavad Gita lecture in New York in 1966. I will give you one example how Krishna sometimes breaks his promise. It is a very nice story. Krishna, when he joined Arjuna before the battlefield of Kurukshetra, promised, Because the fight is between brothers and because both of you are my relatives, it is not my duty to join one party and not join another. But because Duryodhana has decided to take my soldiers, not me, so I shall join you, Arjuna. But I shall not fight. I may take some work with which to assist you. So Arjuna offered, Whatever work you like, you can take. So he said, All right, I shall drive your chariot. So Krishna's promise was not to fight. But once on the battlefield, Arjuna was in danger when fighting Bhishma, the greatest fighter, although a very old man. Duryodhana had incited Bhishma in the midst of the war. The Pandavas, on the other side, are your pet grandsons. You are not fighting fully. This is the comp complaint of Duryodhana. So, 
In order to encourage him, Bhishma said to Duryodhana, All right, tomorrow I shall finish these five brothers. And I've got now special arrows for killing these five chivalrous brothers. So Duryodhana was very intelligent. Please give me the five arrows for the night. I shall deliver them to you tomorrow morning. All right, said Bhishma, take them. But Krishna understood. He knows everything, past, present, and future. Krishna knew that Bhishma has now promised to kill all the Pandavas. So he asked Arjuna, this is also politics, that you go to Duryodhana. Do you remember that Duryodhana once vowed, Arjuna, whenever you want something, I shall give you? Now at this time, remind Duryodhana of his words. He has five arrows for killing you. You ask for them and you bring them to me. That evening, after the day's fight, the warriors acted as friends. So Arjuna went to the camp of Duryodhana and was well received. Well, Arjuna, come on. What do you want? Come on, sit down. Do you want anything from me? If you want, I can stop this fight. I can return you the kingdom if this is your wish. Arjuna said, No, I have come to you for begging my kingdom. The fighting will go on. But do you remember your promise to me? Duryodhana replied, Yes, I know. Whatever you want, I offer you. Now, said Arjuna, I want these five arrows. Duryodhana, I at once delivered the arrows, knowing Krishna was behind Arjuna's request. When Bhishma heard of Arjuna's begging these five arrows, he thought, Krishna is very cunning also. He will save his devotee. So he has done this. All right, Krishna has broken my promise, and tomorrow I will make Krishna break his promise to not fight. If Krishna does not break his promise, then his friend Arjuna will be killed. I will fight in such a way. So in the, in the battle that day, Bhishma fought so powerfully that Arjuna was almost killed. His chariot was torn into pieces and Arjuna fell down. And then Krishna took up one of the wheels of the chariot and rushed before Bhishma. Now, Bhishma, you stop fighting. Otherwise, I will kill you. Bhishma at once gave up his arrows and offered... All right, kill me. Bhishma had promised, I shall kill Arjuna tomorrow. And Krishna had also promised not to fight. So just to save these two devotees, Arjuna and Bhishma, he rushed to Bhishma to kill him. Krishna thought that either I shall break my promise to not fight or you shall kill Arjuna. So better that I break my promise. In this way, sometimes to protect his devotee, Krishna sometimes breaks his own promise. Thus, Bhishma Dev fondly remembered Krishna, the shawl covering his shoulders, dropping to the ground, the chariot wheel upraised as it angrily charged him and having threatened Arjuna. Srila Prabhupada describes the scene in his purport to text 38. The astounding feature of such dealings is that a devotee can please the Lord by playing the part of an enemy. The Lord, being absolute, can accept service from his pure devotee even in the garb of an enemy. By such dealings, both the Lord and the devotee become glorified in their respective positions. The Lord was so angry that Arjuna checked him when he was moving towards Bhishma Dev. But in spite of Arjuna's checking, he proceeded towards Bhishma Dev as a lover goes to a lover without caring for hindrances. Apparently his determination was to kill Bhishma Dev but factually, it was to please him as a great devotee of the Lord. 
as Bishmedev thought of the Lord's beauty while he was driving Arjuna's chariot, he realized his own good fortune. He came to consider himself more fortunate than Arjuna because while Krishna was driving Arjuna's chariot, Arjuna could see the Lord only from behind, whereas Bhishma was facing the Lord and could see his full form, covered with dust and decorated with wounds, standing on Arjuna's chariot, a whip in his right hand and a bridle rope in his left. After remembering Krishna as Parthasarthi, Bhishma then fixed his mind on those whose serving mood is topmost and to whom Krishna remains indebted. Desiring their blessings before leaving his body, Bhishma remembered the Vraj Gopis. His mind then moved to Krishna's being worshipped during Yudhisthira's Rajasura sacrifice. Remembering these pastimes, Bhishma, Bhishma recognized Krishna's position as the all-pervading Supreme Personality of Godhead. Srila Jiva Goswami comments on Bhishma Dev's meditation on Krishna's all-pervasiveness in Bhagavad Sandarbha, Anucha 43. Now I can meditate with full concentration, Samadhi Gatosmi, on that one Lord, Sri Krishna, now present before me, Tamimam, and whom I have described in my previous prayers. The Supreme Lord is present in all the hearts of the conditioned souls, Sarira, Bajam, Hirdi, Hirdi, in his form as Supersoul. Yet now I see him everywhere in his unequaled, two-armed form of Sri Krishna. As Bhishma lovingly focused his mind on Krishna, his breathing stopped. Everyone present became as silent as birds at the end of day. Then drums rolled in his honor and flowers fell from the sky. All were overtaken by grief. That person who had protected Yudhisthira since his childhood who had been his well-wisher until the final moments of his life, no longer graced this world. Srila Prabhupada describes the mixture of emotion and philosophical understanding that confront one after the death of a great soul. Dev was always a sincerely sympathetic well-wisher, grandfather, friend, and philosopher to Maharaj Yudhisthira, even up to the last moment of his life. Maharaj Yudhisthira was quite aware of these of all these good wishes of Dev, and therefore he must have been feeling the great separation. He was sorry for the separation of a great soul and not for the material body which Dev relinquished. Yudhisthira Maharaj and Lord Krishna then returned to Hastinapur and Yudhisthira assumed his royal duties governing according to the principles Dev had taught him. So, uh, this is a wonderful commentary on this verse. And I felt like it was good to say this because it kind of sums up uh, the, <clears throat> the passing of Bhishma Dev. And, um, and we can just see how Bhishma Dev was, was um, thinking of the Lord and the relationship that he had with him. Uh, he had the chivalrous relationship, so I like <clears throat> I like it when he when it says that he he saw the Lord uh, with sweat coming down his forehead and and he he even knew what color of garments he was wearing. He was wearing the yellow sparkling dhoti, and 
and he says that he even had uh, he remembers that he had the um, what's it called the the whip in his one hand. Um, I believe it said that something is something like the whip, and so this way he can even remember like what he was having, and and we can see that that they both made promises. Krishna made a promise not to fight in the battle, but Bhishma Dev made a promise that he was going to fight so hard and kill Arjuna so that he would uh, that that he would that he would make uh, Krishna break his promise, and it and it worked. Um, Krishna broke his promise to save his devotee. And so we can see that uh, that sometimes Krishna breaks his promise because for him, for Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, uh, he, for him, what's more important is that his devotee uh, keeps his promise. So he broke his promise. So... Um, this is this is this is very special. This is how Bhishma Dev uh, was relating to Lord Krishna. Uh, so um, this is basically the conclusion of this chapter, and I I, I actually I really like this this chapter because it shows uh, it shows the you know like the relationship that Bhishma Dev had with Lord Krishna, and it can inspire all of us to develop our relationship because we have to realize that we're not the body and that when we have two choices, we have two ways to go. We can focus on material consciousness, which will keep us in this material world, or we can focus on Krishna and develop our relationship with him, which can take us to uh, going back to him, basically. It's not an easy process. That's why we can take to this process every day um, to remember Krishna, and in that way we can go back to Him. And of course, the best way is to chant Hare Krishna and um, get the mercy of of the Lord's devotees, das ono das ono das. So we can serve the devotees that serve the devotees that serve the Lord, and in that way we can also get the mercy and understand this transcendental knowledge uh, that is available to us. Um, so, and one of the best ways of doing that is book distribution. So, if we can uh, take Srila Prabhupada's books and give them to somebody else, then in this way, even if we know nothing, uh, we can give this knowledge and spread it, and that will be very pleasing to Srila Prabhupada. If we do this on a daily basis, he will surely be pleased. And and actually, it's it's more about like, the risk that we're taking as well. Like, uh, for someone that, that has no risk in trying to deliver this message, then it might be very good. But for someone who's, who's taking a great risk to deliver this message, Krishna will give him all the facility that he needs to deliver this message. And uh, he can definitely please a spiritual uh, master, Srila Prabhupada. Um, <clears throat> so, um, I know this is kind of short, but uh, thank you very much. And I think that I'll stop here for today, unless you have a question I can some, somehow try to answer. <laughs> okay, no questions for today. Well, thank you very much. And uh, Srila Prabhupada, Ki, Jai, 
Shreem Bhagavatam ki jai.